Hi there, this is Jim the Keys, bartender. We're doing a special, well, not special daytime show. I'm here with Papa Joe. Hey. It's special because Papa Joe's here. It's always special because I'm here. Yeah, but this way, with a two, two-way topic, we're in the Keys. It's Keys Bartender Show. Um, there's uh, some, you know, it's more bar talk. We try to use bar talk. I mean, we had a discussion with one of our my fellow bartenders, and he says, oh, there's a bartender show. I just, just because it's a bartending show. We could talk when you're in a bar, we don't talk about bartending. No, of course not. You talk about everything but bartending. Right, right, right. Yeah, but bartending. So um, this show is going to be a message to our younger self. I don't want to say my younger, our younger self. Let me write that down so I don't remember. Our younger self. And, uh, but it's not really about a message or forgiving. It's more like forgiving our younger self. But we, um, and I had this idea and I asked Joe, I prompted Joe about, um, first I want to ask about uh, these dogs in the Keys. We're very dog friendly, right? Oh, I Pet friendly, pet yes, friendly. Yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, people are serious about taking care of their pets. They're serious about the care, not abuse of it. So if you do something, I, I mean, I, there's many places in the United States like that. But I think as a community, you see some real big things go on when uh, people do abuse the dogs. They take it seriously. Uh, but the thing is, now I understand if you're moving from someplace and you have a dog. But I always, I had a feeling and I thought maybe I'm, have a misunderstanding that um, a dog such as an Akita, uh, a Siberian Husky, um, St. Bernard, those long hair breeds and stuff like that are especially suited for, seem to be uh, bred for colder weather. When you have them down here, it just seems like cruel. And I mentioned it to Joe and asked Joe, what do you think about it? What do you think? Well, I I guess I'll... uh qualify myself having worked dogs in a police capacity for 19 years yes and it's not always one dog it's a, it's a, it's various dogs and they have a task they're a tool and you have to find a breed that is i've been called a tool uh, well haven't we all yes okay um i've, I've had my tool made fun of too <laughs> um but, but there are certain breeds specific to getting that task done so the, it's like any tool right yes okay, so you almost can't include that. We're talking about having a pet. And I, I always thought, and I'm not going to judge anyone. This is not about judging anyone. This mm-hmm. is just about me, Joe, telling you what my thoughts are mm-hmm. yes. on when I see an Akita in South Florida or even a Sharpay, um, a Husky, uh, a Malamute, uh and a St. Bernard. Now, granted, I haven't seen many St. Bernards here, but these are dogs that are bred for cold climates. And an Akita has, unlike other dogs, and a Malamute, they have an additional hair in their coat. They have three. They, they don't have just an overcoat and an undercoat. Okay. They have an intermediary hair. For insulation, it's evolved in these dogs. And this is why these dogs... I think it's bred. Well, we can call it breeding, because aren't all dogs bred from... Yeah, yeah, from wolves, yeah. But nonetheless, um, wolves don't have it. Mm -hmm. So somehow, whether it's evolved or whether it's bred or both, it's why these dogs 
those particular dogs are not prone to fleas because mm-hmm. there's no room for them to operate the flea. They're such a tight knit fur yeah. that they're generally known not to be prone. What's this to like? Fleas. What kind of dogs are not prone to fleas? Um, Akitas, yeah, and Malamutes because they have that extra hair. Okay, so bring that into a ninety-degree climate with eighty-eight percent humidity. You know, I I always cringe because you know you can't help but put some human emotion into the, mm-hmm. into what you're seeing in this dog, and you and and you look at them, and, and dogs don't perspire; they regulate their body temperature two ways, mostly by panting, and the other way through the pads of their feet. They radiate their heat out through the pads of their feet. Add an extra coat in 90-degree heat. And I always thought, you know, probably not the best animal to have in hot climates, especially hot and humid climates. I, I, I tell you, I, I, feel that I felt the same way, and I was... I, I realized I've become more and more as years go on that sometimes my opinions are just that, my opinions, and sometimes they're not shared by other people. And having them shared from other people, obviously you can get a group of people to share the same opinion. It doesn't make it any any more valid. But if it's, if it is an environment like polar bears in the Miami Zoo. you got to keep them cold, but you know what? They're going to come out. It's not like polar bears don't experience 70-degree weather, but how long are they exposed to 90-plus yeah. degrees and 80-something percent humidity? Yeah. You know, for our, and for our viewing pleasure, granted also for our education, but, you know, it's a prescient animal. Yep. What, what do you do? Um, I knew a guy, uh, a, a good, uh, we'll bring in the canine section because uh, there was a, a young man, it was a canine handler mm-hmm. for Fort Lauderdale Police, and his dog was an Akita. Mm-hmm. And um, the dog ended up gravitating constantly to the car. Okay. Because it was cold. Yes. And in the summer when we were training, that dog, he was driven to accomplish his goal. Mm-hmm. He, was a, he was quite an effective animal. Mm-hmm. And Akitas have quite a powerful bite. And he was one of the few dogs that actually uh, punctured my skin through the bite sleeve, which is through a fiberglass shell, mm-hmm. uh, a thick leather cordon that you put that's over it and then the burlap padding and the burlap that dog would put his teeth right through it and you'd come out with holes in your forearm not deep ones but they'd be there mm-hmm. um but i knew what that dog's number one goal was finish this job yep. and get me back to that car he'd pull his handler back to the car and it was a formidable dog and it just so happened to be in the hands of a five foot six yep handler and he'd get pulled like a like a sleigh back to the car, and you knew the dog was like, "Get me out of this hot weather." How, how about a Ridgeback, one of those Rhodesian Ridgebacks? They'd probably be more suited for, wouldn't it? Are a they bit, trainable? You know what? Because they're used for hunting lions. Yeah, so they I are. mean, I don't think a Ridgeback and, would be. Well, here's the deal with right. police. Well, police work. Would it make a great dog? Absolutely. Yeah, it would make a great police dog. Um, a pit bull would make a great police dog. Oh, is a Ridgeback that uh, aggressive? No. They don't have to be, uh-huh. and neither does a pit bull. No, no. That's kind of my point. Yes. We don't think of them, nor will a department, because of the uh, politics of the name. Rhodesian Ridgeback, 
uh, raised to kill lions. Now you're going to go out there and find an active shooter. You bite him, and suppose ah, the dog breaks the guy's arm. It's, you know, well, no matter. Can you imagine the bad press? This well, I mean, part a German stuff. Shepherd can, a big German Shepherd could do similar uh, damage. A big though. German Shepherd could do just as much damage, and I'll tell you what, a Malinois could probably do more. Oh, that's the, the, the Belgian breed? Belgian, or something? It's the Belgian breed. It's either called a Belgian They're Shepherd, bigger. which is a misnomer, but it's called yeah. Belgian Malinois. They're, no, they're not bigger than a Shepherd. No. They're generally a bit smaller. They just, they have like a terrier's jaw. They have a lot more muscle uh-huh. in their jaw. So there's more PSI to their downbite. Pounds so, per square inch. Yes. So... You have, a, you have this political ramification that departments have to think about. I'm glad to say that, that there's a few departments that actually incor- that have now pit bulls because they work fine. They don't, their jaws don't lock. Well, all all, that's all, all, I, I wasn't, I'm not judging the breed right. on their own merits other than if I was down here, I would pick a dog that was bred in a warmer climate. Right. And a Rhodesia, I don't think you get too many. I mean, it, Rhodesia would probably be similar to our climate. Uh, yes. German Shepherds acclimate well, even though they have a slightly longer coat. Yeah. This, the, they, they're, talk about a breed that was specifically bred for protection. Oh, the, the Romans, right? Yes. Well, and then you, that's um, Rottweilers as well. Okay. Okay. They would send them out in droves and whoever they would kill and sometimes they had to kill their own dogs because they just penned them it was it was it was horrible they would send the dogs out the dogs sometimes they would do the damage mm-hmm. and then the, the roman army the legions would go forward and the dogs would turn around not knowing one from the other and they'd have to kill their own dogs because they would turn on the roman legions. Mm-hmm. So, but their initial effect of fear yeah. and biting and damage and dismantling humanity was it, they did a fantastic. What was that in the, in the beginning of the Gladiator with the German Shepherds? Right, yeah. yeah, but I think I think the Rottweiler was used more. Um, well, I know, but they uh, they they did this, that scene with German Shepherds. Oh yeah, did you ever see it no. when they right before? Uh, uh, was it in Gladiator? Yeah, in Gladiator, be uh, on my command, release hell or something like that, rain hell, release hell, yeah, uh, I, or I, something, I, and it goes like this, and they did all the they they let the. There's, there are arrows and catapults with the f- flaming. I, you know what? I'm probably remembering wrong. But then there's dogs going. No, they definitely. The Romans definitely yeah. had dogs. I, I just always thought that they were more yeah. the ro- closer. And, to the and, and the reason that sparked this comment, since we got in there, and I think we settled. Actually, our opinion is that you know, I, I settled. Our opinion is, uh, if you are going to try to get a dog, try to get one appropriate to the climate, unless you're going to keep it housebound all the time, which is yeah. kind of cruel for a dog. But my dog here is a little terrier, and uh, she, uh, she, she's, uh, she's definitely like sniffing around and stuff like that. And I, I never understood why they just had to. Um, I can see why you'd have a bigger dog as a drug. You know, as probably if you're going to use it for combination between drug uh, uh, interdiction or uh, you know a, as a form of defense. But if you're just looking for drugs. I don't know why what dog wouldn't wouldn't be better. Any dog, yeah, any pretty dog. much any dog. Well, um, man, the small dogs could actually get into the. Well, I always wanted when I was in canine. I yeah. I, I used to at first I would kid, but it wasn't really kidding. I it was a, a, a kidding that came out of a problem that I foresaw. Um, and that was in large tractor trailers, trying to get in those tight spaces, 
So imagine this. You stop a big truck. It's got pallets of merchandise in the back. You open up the rear doors and you – Like a couple inches in between. A, and a, you yeah. only have, a, you know, four to six inches in between the pallets. And then you have that little space. Right. And so what you have to do with a standard police dog yeah. is you have to get all the way on the top mm-hmm. of the pallets. And generally, you got to get up there with them. God forbid the dog falls in that crack uh-huh. and hurts itself. You have to be there to monitor. Uh-huh. And you have to, like, spider monkey across mm-hmm. the cargo. And you're not really offering that dog the best available scent. Yes. You're only offering the scent that's reaching the ceiling, not necessarily emanating from the source. So you really, if the dog alerts to, say, the odor of drugs in that case, you, you still have to unpack this whole thing, and you, and you don't really know where it's coming from. However, to solve the problem... Uh-huh. I always thought, wait a minute, if I had a rat terrier or a beagle or a Jack Russell, I can send that dog right down the middle of those pallets. There's more of a scent area available. The dog could pinpoint it, Mm -hmm. and then if we had to offload it, we can focus on that pallet. Now, when I first started suggesting this, I, I was laughed at, and it challenged the that ego it challenged that 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 image that we all have of you know um i'm a i'm a cop i have a canine what's it going to look like if i come out of the car with a chihuahua that was the comment mm-hmm. I always got. and my response was think of the response you'll get with your little beagle and a pallet full of cocaine that no one would have found otherwise yeah yeah <laughs> i'm I want to solve the problem and be successful. I don't really care what it looks like. And there's there's the two pads, right? Um, I don't care what it looks like. I need to use the tool to get the job done. Mm-hmm. All right, so this went on for years, and I used to get kidded, and they'd say, you know, hey, Joe, you know, I found the chihuahua. If they found, literally, if they would find the chihuahua or a little dog on the street, they'd call me and say, hey, you want your next canine? As a joke, you know, I'd say, no, yeah. take it to the pound, call animal control, you yeah. idiot. Um, then we went to um, a drug interdiction course um, in, in uh, I think it was in Orlando, and it was conducted, um, it was a, a federally funded course for drug interdiction of interstate cargo. So in other words, dealing with tractor trailers. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, the instructor was nationally known, mm-hmm. highly respected, because we pretty much read every case he had involved himself mm-hmm. with as an, as an investigator and a detective and an agent over the years. Mm-hmm. He had done some phenomenal cases on the Tex-Mex border. And everything from running gun battles to tunnels yeah. to you name it. And he sat there in front of the class. and, he, and uh, Now, he's a Mexican descent. He's about four generations Texan. Now, he talks like this here, and he said, now, you're all canine handlers, and, of course, everyone everyone said yes. He said, if I was a canine handler, I'd, I'd want me a, I'd want me a chihuahua. <laughs> everyone started laughing, except he wasn't laughing. He stared, and everyone, everyone got done. He said, you think I'm, I'm kidding? You want to be successful? You need you a small dog 
people, we're going to do it the way we're going to train because none of you have small dogs, and we're just going to go from it. But I'm going to tell you right now, he said, if you want to be really successful, you do what they do on the border, and you need to incorporate small dogs. Okay, once this guy explained that that's the way to do cargo, I was never laughed at again. Uh Um, but, But yet I could never change the attitudes in the department because you're dealing with big egos, and they never, just, they never, they never ever, no. they even didn't even attempt. No, the closest they got was they let a guy get a lab, and he carried a uh, uh, a dog for protection mm-hmm. for finding people and apprehending people, and then he had his lab for drug work. It was an experiment, you know. Yeah. Um, that's as close as they got. I would have said, "Well, give me, you know, my big dog." I don't need to separate my cage because my big dog likes small dogs and give me a Jack Russell. That would be great, wouldn't it? You just have the one dog for protection standing there for guard thing to watch the suspect when you're investigating. If I have to go tracking after a fleeing suspect, a violent felon, I take the one dog. If I have to do a stop in tight spaces for dope, uh, I got the other dog. No, I meant like if you had the other dog and the other dog sitting there, well, you got the... uh, person who's driving and just sit there watching him and you got the small dog in here so you're you got your bases covered absolutely yeah okay. either way i get you <laughs> well i i would like to see that you know down here it's funny you see them and they bring them in to, uh, there's a lot of people that bring their dogs in and they look like they're dying they, they bring them in they can't you can't leave them in the vehicles down i love here. when i when, when these people bring their uh, their italian mastiffs mm-hmm. in they have to have, one. They have to go rent, buy an SUV just yeah. to transport these massive dogs around. Mm-hmm. And um, and the the, the the few people I've known that have had them, these are house dogs. They stay in the house. These dogs are the size of a grown man, and it's not like you just let them out all day. They'll overheat. Yeah, they're just big, massive dogs. They're giant mastiffs. So I always thought, you know, it just seems unfair. That's all. Just my perception. It just seems unfair. I imagine an Australian Shepherd would be really, I mean, they seem to be good down here because it gets hot in Australia. Yeah, like an like Australian that. cattle dog? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got some cool nights, too. They actually, you know. Yeah. You know One I of mean, the smartest breeds, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And, oh, and you have to be really, you have to be really active. We're on that uh, trajectory right now. Um, but um, that's... Um, the, in the next episode, we're going to be doing since we're I'm not to cut short on that, but we are cutting short. Uh, I've, I'm going to be speaking to a senior class again at uh, Coral Shores, and I was thinking about topics, and I thought, what would I like someone to talk to me about when I was a senior? But then again, the way I think about it is what what would I listen to? Because you know, when remember the speeches we get from older people. When we were younger. Yeah, you're always you get disconnected your, from it, weren't you? Because you get you your felt, you, you teacher, were, your coach, your uncle, your yeah, father, you your mother. Like you were being spoke down to. Yeah. That was my impression. You know. They never take into an appreciation for your developmental understanding. Because at that time, you know things. And you have things. There's a socialization, a politics you have of being young. And there's no way to really buck that, to go your own way. Because if you go your own way, it's like being in prison without belonging to a gang. 
you know, or something like that. And you just, I mean, you, you just, you're, you're, if, so, if someone, if you're asking someone to be different, to express themselves in a sincere, adult, thoughtful way, when everyone else is behaving differently, you will be made fun of if you try to get, uh, socialize yourself into a group of other kids. Or if, you know, if you're just sitting with them and you belong, you know, you, you're just, you're, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And, and when I want, what I thought maybe I'd do is like a message to my younger, our younger selves. And uh, we're going to talk to that, talk about that in the next uh, segment. And uh, I think we can flesh it out. And hopefully uh, this is, a, I know it's a shortcut, but I'm going to probably incorporate a lot of things we say to the speech and the things that work and the things that don't work. But uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Yep. We're back. Uh, we're just hashing out our evening uh, ideas. Our talking point. Yes. And so as we left off previously, I'll be talking to seniors. At, uh, hey, you know, that's really an exciting thing. If given the opportunity to impart yeah. in a leadership way, you know, something to people leaving high school, which I think might be a little different than college. Um, you're at that age, 17 years old, some might be 18. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them may not know where they want to go. You know, I didn't. I, I know that. Well, well, and some could have, and I, the, 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 the first one that we did discuss, I did resilience, and you had this idea for some reason... I guess we had this drilled into us from for a hundred years. You know, life expectancy was in the forties and fifties. So you had to pretty much know what you're going to do when you're 18, 18, 17, 18 years old. Uh, there weren't a lot of second and third acts in your life. No. And fact, you had to get, you, you were going to get married. married. Yeah. You were right. going to get married in a couple of years from there. So you had to get an idea. If you're going to go to college, you had to pretty much do, you know, unless you're, I mean, only the very wealthiest thought of just going to college for sake of a liberal arts education so now you live uh, excess 80-something years, you can actually have two or three careers and uh, the, the pressure for you to choose the right one because of all the, um, I mean, this time of year, college selection and things like that, you got to pick what you're going to do. And people, they may feel pressured. I, I don't know the parents, they say, let's say, if I'm going to send, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to spend eight, uh, 80 to 100,000, a lot of these parents don't do any of that. The kids have to take a lot of loans. Still, I, I, there's still anxiety. There has yeah. to be some anxiety uh, as, as a teenager. Uh, even if the parent is making everything possible, that yeah. actually may add to the anxiety because it may not be what the teenager wants to do. Oh, yeah. To, to do that, and if obviously we, sometimes we coddle the children so they're not, they, they can't handle adversity, addressing that resilience part. Um, they're not, they haven't reached to that day-to-day -day thing where they have to, you know, make their meal, uh, wash their clothes, uh, you know, have a bank account, manage uh, things like that. But uh, I, I don't think for a half hour to 40 minutes, the best I can do is import, impart ideas impart an idea to someone. And I thought about, from my perspective, if I was going to write, um, I'm, I'm going to see, now I'm going to catch the, this 
show will play after I gave my speech, and I'm probably going to say the same thing. But I thought about the things I did and what I reflected on when I was uh, thinking about what you, you do as a young person growing into a young adult and think about the mistakes or, or things you do, the choices you make, uh, at the, the relationships you have. And then you look back at them years later at the decisions you made. Like if you, you always, you know, originally you wanted to be a, a nurse or a doctor and you didn't do that and you became an accountant or did you did one thing and did, did another. And then you look back and you say, wow, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I had, had went out with this person. I wish I didn't screw up this. I wish I didn't um, jack that car or, you know, any number of things taken, you know, started using opioids or um, uh, getting someone pregnant uh, or becoming pregnant or uh, doing something stupid over a weekend that, you know, you always felt guilty about. Uh, I'd have to say, as an adult where I am right now, as a 56-year-old man, I kicked myself for a lot of things that I did in the past. Not kick myself. You think about it. You go, what an idiot. Why did I do that? If I did this, my life would be so much different now. And they have movies like that. They always have them movies, like where Peggy Sue got married and, sure. and then we go back in time and you become that younger person 30 again i picked two women ones there's a couple guy ones too where they where you can go back and they 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 hit those points in their lives so well um a christmas carol a christmas carols that is actually probably the first one the first popularized in fiction where they go back and look at the guy's life and they see what he did and, uh, you know, you go, wow, I'm sorry I did that. I did. And, you know, the time to be sorry is right before you do that stupid thing. But there's a there's a major theme. Yeah. Um, that theme is in those fantasies and those movies or mm-hmm. books, you get to change the history and you get to sort of live in those new Fantasies, not, or, or not, not, fantasies. Not, not necessarily. But when it comes Christmas back Carol. to reality, wow! But yes, not Christmas Carol was an was just a change to, of, to expose. This are the results of your actions. This is how you, the man you became. And this is what could have right. Yeah, you and, did. And had you not this, you know, this could have happened. But that epiphany, okay, you could use so something. The, so he has an no, epiphany. No, don't, don't. I'll use that one. You right. can tell me what you were saying. It comes back to the present. They all come back to the present, and it, at the end of the day. They have to mitigate what's happened with forgiving themselves and then moving forward and making a new decision. Um, It all comes back to this was the journey. Here's the journey you've been on. And yet, here's the journey you get to go on. So, yeah, we can reflect on where you've been, and there can be some regrets. And I'll add this. There there should never be uh, shame. And there should uh, guilt. These are instruments that destroy the inner you. Shame and guilt. These are tools used by others to cripple you. However, to have regret is fine. Who doesn't? Regret gets you to put things in the past in a perspective. What could I have done? Ergo, what could I now do differently? I would tell the story as my personal journey. Uh-huh. 
And in looking back at my younger self, one, my eye is still my eye is still don't, on don't my get, Don't get you wrong. What we're talking about right now is pretty much what I'm dealing with thinking about these things. But it won't be. I'm not going to go and try to tell them how to live their no, lives. No, what you're what you're doing is you're just so like preparing them till I, later. If you put I in my little thing, the, the future. If you think in the future, if you think in the future and say, um, if I was then, I say, listen, I'm going to do some things, and you say regret. What it, it, it's the meaning you behind you put behind regret, shame, guilt. If you if you carry that the rest of your life, you're going to end a lot of pain. But and if you start the, the the thing you don't want to do, the thing and the main thing that I have to say, and then I can boil it down to one thing: is not to hate your younger self, not to put that no, to paint not. the brush, paint that younger self as an idiot. Now they may have done, acted like an idiot, may have dressed like an idiot, may have thought like an idiot. Doesn't necessarily make you an idiot. I know it sounds like walk like a duck, talk like a duck. You're a duck. No, no, no. no, no. But no. what happens? You, you, um, you did those things, and here you arrived. If you arrived at a point in your life where you were able to reflect upon those things, then all those things you did, be they, I'm not talking about literally serious capital offenses and things like that. Serious, because um, there's sometimes you really need to deal, deal with horrible things. If you if you've had some serious things t- that, that you should not necessarily be able to walk away from that scot free. Yeah, you, you need know? to carry the responsibility. No, I mean, you, I don't think you're yeah. ever going to come back unless you address. For, I don't think you're going to ever be able to come back and live your life correctly. No, well, first, of I think all, there's damaged people out there, and bad, they keep on doing it. If they're it's that bad, you got to pay society its due. Or, or you're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to compensate you, the victim. You're going to have to compensate or, the victim, and you're going to have and, to compensate your conscience if you have one. Yeah. I think it's going to do irrevocable right. damage for you. But below that surface right. of things, the things were bad relationship uh, advice, the way you treated someone, the way you may have bullied someone. Um, and, and one of the things in uh, the 12-step programs, you, you go, you, uh, you make amends. And you could do that. That's a good thing to do in your regular life without having an addiction. Well, it's the same to thing. To make an unload the burden. If you're still carrying those things. Now, there are things that people aren't going to remember. But the, I have people that come and apologize. Is that really the point, though? Because you remember them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe you don't remember them either. You know, some of the things you, you – we have selective memory. and you forget, the, you forget the things that perhaps make you reflect on – yourself in a negative light so what, what i'm suggesting is that when you look at yourself and once you reach the point where you didn't you know that you, you you've um made amends made peace with that uh well if you made peace with that then you wouldn't have to go and forgive your younger self you don't have to forgive you don't have to dislike your younger self. you don't have to shun your younger self because there are th- the good things that came out of it if you are arriving in a good part of your life you you have there's a good part of you that made you who you are today. And you can, if you're denying your younger self, you're, you're denying all those good things. All those times you were kind, right. thoughtful. Uh, I, um, I, I think if you do dwell on it, you just do it. And you try to, uh, I mentioned the four agreements to you before. Which are what? 
Um, oh, God, I should know it. I have the book right over there, too. Uh, be impeccable with your speech. Um, take nothing personal. That's anything said. Now, obviously, it's if you're attacked and things like that, um, always do your best. Did I repeat that yet? Nope. And there's a fourth. I always forget one of the four ones. That sounds a lot like uh, uh, if, there, I, if there, I had to. There was this one guy gave me his three agreements. If I had to what? distill uh, yeah. Christopher Hitchens, a, a great debater oh, he sounds like... and arguer, um, I would say that that would probably write in line with his mantra of how to conduct oneself uh, in the art of uh, debate. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it just causes you to maintain the higher ground all the time and, and not fall for the, um, the, the, the easy way out. It re, it's hard work, by the way, those things you just said. It requires attention. It requires some discipline. And if you're going to be a contrarian, especially like Christopher Hitchens, uh, you have to be disciplined in the art of speech and behavior and um, it all amounts to um, just being professional at, at, at who you are and what you're up to. Well, the, with this guy, Don, and he was a helicopter pilot. He lived up in Ocean Reef. He moved up to Delray Beach a couple of years ago. And every so often he pops in, drives all the way down in his convertible. He's in his 70s. And Don came down and was talking to him. He's a sweet guy. He always tells these cheesy jokes, kind of like my uh, father jokes. And... A Don came in. We just started talking, and Don said, uh, "We were just talking about he, he. He recognizes a nice person, and he doesn't judge people too harshly, and things like that. He just does. He goes about his way in this world. And he gave me boil down three things he does. Um, is one's from Emerson, right? Never worry about anything you can't change." Right. Never worry about anything you change. Total and this other one's from Mary Poppins. Uh, enough is as good as a feast. Enough is as good as a feast. And the last one's from Popeye. I am what I am. So you boil it down. The first one, the Don's, you never worry about anything you can't change. He doesn't worry about the news. He like how we talk about it. I, I, he says, I never watch the news. I never do that. And I realize I, I'm too far and deep. I need to know what's going on. I like to know what's going on. It's one of my entertainments, my thought. I do thought puzzles. You know, when I hear something in the news, well, why did this happen? What do you think this happened? And, blah, 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 and all this stuff. It is. It's like a riddle. When you see the news, it's a riddle. People say, well, the news is all bad things. I say, why couldn't it? it couldn't, you couldn't have news of good stories. No, I mean, it just wouldn't be a thing. It wouldn't just yeah. be. No, it wouldn't no be one would watch. It would be noteworthy and stuff like that. Oh, there's an Oprah show or CNN Heroes or something like that. That's and but usually it's funny. The shows the good stuff. Something bad had had to happen first, like uh, a group of people buying a soldier a pair of artificial legs. Right. A bad thing. The precursor to that was arti- he needs artificial you know, legs. Yeah. Uh, or or. Uh, someone's buying clothes for orphans while their parents died. You know, things like that. So there's no, 
there's no tried and true way, and I don't want to shit on this guy's idea about that not watching TV, but there is a certain amount of things you should do if you want to keep your mind right at the beginning of the day. They, if you do get worked up, sometimes some people should have well, that, to avoid it, and then they just walk away from it. Because I listened, I was listening to the uh, impeachment hearings. Well, that so. goes in line with what my partner says all the time that right. he got from his mother, who, by the way, is yeah. a leadership speaker. Um, those that anger you control you. Oh, yeah, they rent a space in your head. Yeah, well, they own if a you let them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's get enough is as good as a feast. And I think there's one of the deepest ones right there. And sense. it's not just the food. It's not just the food, but if you look at basically that as the having the adequate amount of nutrition is actually the optimum amount, probably the best for your enough food. Right. It's just going to satisfy you and it's going to keep you at the proper weight and things like that. If you overindulge, you will become... Uh, I, I was going to say morbidly obese and stuff like that. You know, we have shows now that I'm not going to say celebrate. It actually says, you know, these people, they get to be a celebrity on a show. People that can, they, they, they're uh, shut-ins and they're, you know, they have a hard time getting out of bed and stuff like that. And they're minor celebrities. Now they minor, are they minor celebrities so long as or they cautionary stay, tales. They're cautionary tales. And then when they come, lose, like, the remember, the big, remember, remember the show, and uh, I'm going to try to drag it back again, The Biggest Loser. Yeah, of course. I hated the name of that. And I never had, you know what? I, I've been fighting a battle with a couple extra pounds. Obviously, I mean, actually on the weight chart, I'm uh, right under obese, but I'm not. I mean, people look at me and they say, there's no way you're not obese. Right. You're, you're stocky, you're, you're muscular, you know, and things like that. But that's, consider that. But the, the, the nomenclature, the phrase, the biggest loser, well, it's got to mean, two, have the two, two meanings, meanings, right? You so had to lose you're weight, losing the most you're weight a fucking and, loser. And then the unspoken yeah. one is you're a loser for being this big yeah. to begin with. No, it's horrible. And yeah, and the shame, the shame they do it. And, it shame. and you see the way they do it, and they put food in front well, of people them. People will watch that because it's a celebration of someone's determination to break. I know, but remember that. the challenges, though? Yeah. No, they were horrible. The donut challenge yeah, and stuff no, like that? No, 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 no. Look, why? Why? I, I, Would we do that with heroin? No, of course not. But then again, well, they did. We, we have allowed. You know, they did it. We have allowed television. They did that show. To dictate what our morals no, and ethics but, are with but, regard to weight they, loss as everything else. No, but they wrong. They did that with the show called Intervention, where they're driving someone there, and they actually sometimes let them stop and do a, you know, a fix or whatever. Well, there's actually, you know what, what, before they went into treatment? Before they went into intervention with right. their family. Well, here's, here's some news about that. Yeah. It's going to happen anyway. You may as well stop and let them do it. Oh, no, no. What I meant is... Uh, it brought it to light, and once you see it, you learned it. So now you really were they complicit kind of, in allowing it to happen? No, I'm, I'm not suggesting they were cl- complicit, but they 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 made programming. I remember the programming: obese people, addicted people, people with psychological problems, hoarding complexes, and things right, like right, that. Right. Just think of that. I mean, they should have done that. They should have done the sequence where they had hoarders, and then they should have done uh, Storage Wars right after it and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Or a cooking that show. That would have made A sense. cooking show in 600-pound life. Right. And just go fucking back and forth and say, hey, listen, oh, we'll do this. But on our sister channel, we're going to show you how to make this 16-stick butter cake. <laughs> 
Motherfucker. For those, for those of you enough who are not 600 it, pounds yeah, yeah. and hope to be there one day. I, well, and enough is good as a feast if you apply to, like, money, life, uh, possessions, uh, 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 family, and, and thing where people look at it. And we have this thing where we look at the uh, – um, used to be called the boob tube and stuff like that. We used to have a show years ago, back in the late 70s it came on, uh, Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, the bullshit – Ornate, you know, some in a way. Now, I know some wealthy people that live modest lives in comparison to their compatriots. Not necessarily to mine, but I know some very wealthy people that don't live much differently than I do. Uh, I think they have the concept. Oh, Warren Buffett. Yeah, and there's of course there's the opposite. You know, you have those who who do live in those palatial homes and yeah. they have to they have to flaunt their riches. Um, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. What? Because in growing up, knowing some people in the old neighborhood that went on to become quite wealthy, yeah, they maintained a certain modesty, being quote unquote new money. Yeah. Um, they had some tendencies of wanting to treat themselves, of course. A little better they had mm. they had the means now right yes but they they never really forgot when they were poor and how quickly perhaps you can go back to being poor um when when you're immediately new money you're only a few steps from being wealthy having come from modest to poor conditions as opposed to three and four generations wealthy where you have no frame of reference. In, institutional wealth. Institutional only. wealth. I mean, the, like the old British uh, 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 aristocratic families and, and the Kennedys, uh, things like that. But um, th- it reminds me of a documentary. There was a documentary of a, uh, right at the end of the real estate boom in 2006, 7, 8, 9, there was a documentary about this family, and they made tons of money off of real estate. And, but they were uh, leveraged to the hilt. And they were building one of these uh, super large uh, mansions, right? And in the process of doing it, while they're in the process of still constructing the mansion where the rest of it's being constructed and still needed to be uh, furnished, all the everything was come crumbling down. And they had, a docu- they had a documentary crew right there at the same time to watch the family go through the process, watch Christmas, watch them lose everything. Go from... The top to the bottom. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, the, the best, the quintessential one is Grey Gardens. Never heard of it. Oh, it was the 1970s documentarians. Uh, listeners, uh, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention this Popeye one, and I want to tell you about Grey Gardens. Okay. Um, I Am What I Am by Popeye. It's like accepting yourself? Yes, exactly. That's it. The boy boiling down, the I Am What I Am. The message to your right. younger self. Yes, I am what I am, meaning I am, uh, if, if, if it's your, chances are, if you're listening to this, you are not, not because you were listening to this, that you're not a horrible person. Most people are not horrible people. Most people are good people. And you are who you are. And we, we're sad and we're happy at different, we get angry, we get lonely, and we do these things. You Hopefully you be, uh, get enough awareness and peace of mind that you're able to address the things that are making you feel that way. But being able to accept who you are 
and you have a couple extra pounds. And you may have a little, you know, you may have a little donut there. You may have a little salad around the fly, uh, thighs. Maybe you have some money. You can go do the liposuction and things like that, whatever. Maybe you aren't, uh, you know, you're losing your hair. Uh, maybe at this time you are lonely and stuff like that, but you are what you are and you're fine. You are fine. accepting of it. You don't have to compare yourself to whoever you are. And Popeye used to say, I am what I am. I have to do what I have to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's, you could say that as a means to say, listen, this is where I stand on principle. I am, I am what I am. So I believe in these things. This is what I'm going to do. Or you can use it as a mantra of saying, you know, if someone says something about you, you know, you know, you got a weird way about you. I said, you know, I am what I am. That is just the way it is. I mean, we can always do things to make ourselves feel better, but you don't have to necessarily change for other people if it's not. No, because that the focus is flaw. wrong. If you're going to change for other people, the yeah. influences are wrong. Yes, because it's not who who you are. However, um, to have. Getting back to the younger self, I hated my younger self in my 20s and 30s. Of course, if, if anyone's forgot, I didn't come out of the closet till 47. So I had a lot to be scared of and, mm-hmm. and good reason for it. Um, and and I, could, I could play Monday Night Quarterback on my life for the next month. You can imagine, if I only did this, if I only came out, if, if the culture was more accepting, if, if only, if only, if only. But with that same conversation comes just a constant kicking of yourself. Yeah. I wasn't good enough to do this. I feel guilty for having done If I only did this, woe is me. And then it got to the point where I got tired. This is well before 47. In fact, I was uh, 35 when I went to my first leadership course. And that leadership course said, stop. You are who you are, and you're just okay right there. However... Right there is today and this moment. And that moment's now gone. So what about this moment? Now let's look back at all the other moments. They don't exist anymore. Change is a matter of choice. For the most part. Who you want to be, how you want to be, including do you want to forgive yourself? Do you want to just accept who you were and and understand that, one, you're not alone, that millions of people are going through the same thing, feel the same way about their awkward adolescence, feel the same way about all of those things that you've gone through that you thought were humiliating to mm-hmm. yourself, that they aren't because everyone's gone through them and everyone's pretending that they didn't happen, that they're better than that, because everyone lives the same eh, lie. Once you realize that, you say, you know what, I can forgive myself for Mm -hmm. hating myself. I can understand that, yeah, I'm no different than anyone else. And the rest is starts this moment forward. So who am I going to be? And I learned, and it was a big weight off my shoulders. So when I came out, it was the final act, so to speak, of this guilt, shame, regret. And I realized... When I came out, I no longer had. I was no longer hiding. Mm-hmm. I was no longer anything, and there was no more guilt and shame. I now look back. I'm totally okay with who I was. I understand that who I am could not be as a result had I not been who I was. Had I not gone through the awkwardness, it was like a mallet on a sheet of copper. Yeah, 
it created whatever the, the vessel is known as Joe Mosca. Yeah. So it, what, what should I look back and say that I want? I, when I look back and say I, I, I disrespect, I, I, I feel ashamed or guilt over what that was, really what I'm saying is I have no respect for the vessel that sits right here before you. That's it. That's it. You're, you're, um, if if you deny yourself, your younger self, you're dying your present self because that was the person that made that was the the ancestor of you. the person today. Yeah. And uh, just it, get on with it. Um, accept that person you were in the past, and you're going to be. Uh, if if you if you don't accept yourself now, then that's a bigger problem. That's your, your you reject yourself. But you're fighting half the battle when you're still, you know, you're still fighting that half battle thing. Oh, that's, I'm not that person anymore. So well, that person made you. And if you're, you're an entrepreneur now and you were a big al- alcoholic before, you're a great success story. You did it. That person, that person is part of you. Yeah, there's. there's that person from the past is no, part of your own. No need so, to denigrate yeah, it. Yeah. There's no need to denigrate it. Yeah. If it's something that you wear that you yeah. really, as of this moment, don't want to wear, yeah. well, then you got to do something. The rest is up to you. Yeah. And 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 listen, not to make light of it, sometimes quitting an addiction, like I'm trying to quit smoking, it, it, a little harder, easier to say than not. Right. Yes. It's easier to say than do. Um, but. If I was to just be okay with being a smoker, then I have to be okay with 10 years from now, am I on oxygen? Yeah. I should just be okay with that. If I'm not, the only thing between that and not being on is what I do today or what I struggle to achieve today. So the future is wide open. This is where where actually where I use shame to stop smoking. Going to the gym. And I'm going to go out to the gym and get my car and light up a cigarette. That looks horrible, doesn't it? Oh, it feels horrible and stuff like that. And then you're beating yourself up. And I felt like I said, oh, my God, the guy that was inside there working out so hard, uh, the guy in the car smoking cigarettes, the enemy of the guy that was in the fucking gym just a moment ago working out for three hours. But that's that's the the grand thing of it. The smoker gym from before made the the health gym of today. we're at 50 minutes, and I want to mention it's Great Gardens. It's a, it's a documentary that was made in the 70s, and it's in some place, I'd have to say, one of those islands off Massachusetts, like Martha's Vineyard or something like that, and it's an old uh, estate, Grey Gardens, and it's overrun with weeds. And what, uh, there's a, an old woman around 80, and a woman about in her late 50s that live in there and they these filmmakers go and they start talking to them and it turns out back in so it was in the 30s and 40s the 50 year old was a debutante the older lady was kind of like an aged socialite right and they had balls and all this stuff and you know they used to go tease and they were famous and uh, well, well, they were well known. And the, the young one used to be a dancer, and she had all these male suitors. And they're living in this house is full of cats and some raccoons and stuff like that. And they have, uh, I guess, they have some 
kind of trust fund, small trust fund that's still taking care of them somewhat, but not the building. It is falling apart. It is like leaky, this, and the filmmakers are coming to uh, document them. I and the mother's really in, she's like, they, they got newspapers, felt, they got food all around the place. And they're still, and the lady in her 50s still has a wrap up, and she would talk like she's still, you know, oh, well, I, I think I might have, you know, it was almost like she was still talking about herself uh, when she was in her 20s. How like her a mother, Gloria Vanderbilt. Yeah, and right. how her mother kept her from going off with this guy and stuff like that because she disapproved of him and stuff like this. And she dances for the guys and stuff like that. And she, you could tell she was a beautiful young woman, but it was, it's, they're in this, they're just the two of them they're in this stuck. decrepit thing. And Grey Garden, it was one of the most sad and saddest documentaries I've seen, but also the most revealing of people that could not let things go. Right. Because at some point, it could have just, if they were living in their stuff, they could have just sold that and moved into condo. Yeah, sold stuck. that stuff. They're they had stuck. it. It was a property and stuff like that, and it was just rotted away. And and there it is, and uh, there's a um, a show uh, on uh, IFC called Documentary Now. Okay, and it's Fred Armisen and Bill Hader. They created it, and they did all the great documentaries, recreated them. Um, oh God, uh, the Bible Salesman. <laughs> salesman, you ever seen that one? No, I've never seen. That, that was a documentary. It's a real documentary from the fifties and sixties. They follow these guys who wear the hat. The, coats and stuff and they went door to door selling bibles and they were smoking and drinking and all this stuff real documentary of it they got roger and me you know roger and me yeah yeah uh you had uh, uh what's it supersize me i don't know if they did that one but they did one about this artist woman that was fucking great too uh it was incredible oh who was it kate blanchett played her play, uh played her in that but um they they uh, um how about zane gray not Zane Gray. No, no, that's the guy. Uh, no, the guy that did the guy that did these kind of running long monologues, swimming to Cambodia. He did a doc. It, it was not okay. a documentary. Swimming to a C- Cambodia was this guy. I forget his name, but he's sitting at a table, and he has a projection show behind it, and he's talking to the camera. It's not a documentary. It's just his thoughts. Well, I guess it is a documentary, but they did a spoof on that. Bill Hayer, and it was hilarious, and they did the Great Gardens one. Oh, and the Great God. Gardens ones, at one point, um, the woman's dancing, and she falls through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> There's rac- <laughs> they're fighting a raccoon off with a broom. <laughs> Listen, we could be horrified at things that reflect real life sometimes, or, you know, uh, you, you'd be, otherwise you'd be crying all the time if you can find humor in this stuff. Yeah, that's why I mean, people like you got to find the humor, and that goes to the humor of your past self. Yeah, and all the awkwardness, the the stupid things you did. Just realize you and and millions of other people share those experiences. um, I told last week. I I, did I mention? I mentioned a podcast. They did a staff the staff thing where they asked me the ten questions. Yes, yes. Um, I the most embarrassing moment. Um, I. I don't know if I mentioned, I said I rolled down a step or the most ridiculous thing. Um, the most embarrassing moment was when I'm my babysitter or an older girl is, we're playing a board game on a Saturday morning. 
and I'm we're on the floor and I'm in my pajamas and uh, I am uh, on the floor and the flies open and my peepees out the whole time and she just points it out and she goes your birds out like that just point I'm, I, I I wish I could just say but she just pointed over she just went so her arms are folded and she goes your birds sticking out and I go oh. And that was it. I was right in the did face. It, did it blaze into your memory? Is it? Oh, it did. Like I remember what he said. Well, and how old were you? Eight, nine. Yeah, yeah, eight or nine. And um, you know, I it really to this day, if it if it happened to me, I have people all the time. I mean, I, have, I must have some kind of thing about not slipping out my pants. But I'm wearing bo- I'm wearing boxer briefs. It's like yeah. yeah so what? <laughs> Unless there's a drastic. Uh, uh, Garment failure. There's nothing sticking out. And people go, oh, your zipper's down. I'm like, well, there's oh, there's another layer of clothing. Don't worry. If we were in at the beach, that's about the same amount of clothing that would be in between. Yeah, listen, those. those and, and even if it was, even if it was, if, if it's not an exhibitionist type thing, I haven't done that though. I've never uh, <laughs> walked out. Well, I mean, I've done the streaking thing and all that stuff. No, I haven't done the streaking thing. But then again, that's a that's a choice. And in college, not, I think I, I don't did. think a streaker... Do you feel guilty over that? You feel ashamed, I should say? It's a thing that we, everyone was doing. It everyone was doing it at a certain time. Yeah. So what? It was like it's an, old school, an old school movie. You could regret moment. the choice. It was Will Ferrell and go like this. Come on, everyone's streaking. We're going down to the quad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going down there. I think it was cold weather, too. Uh, luckily, you know... I, I'm not going to go into depth. Yeah, yeah, uh, let's no. not do that. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to have a couple more shows tonight. Uh, and the show when it shows tonight will have played two weeks ago because we're going to do it live. So oh. we're going to go back in time. Back in time. We're going to have to do – we're going to be able to give a message to, to our, our former selves. Our former selves. How about that? Yeah, we're going to do it. I want to thank Papa Joe. Thank you, Papa Joe. You're yeah, more than welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye, folks.